0: Welcome to Allobee Radio, where we support you and your business and life. Listen in each week for episodes on how to grow your business, tips from successful business owners, answers to your burning business questions, and much more. We will also have five-minute What's the Buzz with Brooke episodes where you can get up to date on the most recent tech, trends, and tools for your business. Join our Allobee Hive, and we will help you and your business grow. I'm your host, Brooke Markovichis, founder and CEO of an agile, end-to-end business solution for solo entrepreneurs, micro businesses, small businesses, and startups. My company is called Allobee. We are your one-stop shop for support, visibility, and growth for your business. I took my years of freelance startup and -and brick-and-mortar experience and merged it with my technical background and skills to create Allobee. I'm a mom of two kids, a kindergartner, and a toddler. I live in the sunny South in North Carolina. I'm married to my soulmate. I'm a total book nerd, tech geek, and have built multiple businesses while raising babies. My hope is that this podcast will bring you actionable tips, tricks, and tools to help you gain momentum in your business and life. Let's get into the buzz of the week. Are you overwhelmed and running out of time? Do you need to hire somebody, but you're not so sure who is good and qualified? No worries. Take a deep breath. We've got you covered. At Allobee, we are your one-stop shop for all your business needs. We can support you in everything from podcast editing, technical assistance, virtual assistance, web design, branding, social media management, consulting, bookkeeping, and much more. We handle all of the vetting and onboarding of our experts, and we make sure that you're going to get somebody that is extremely qualified for the job. If you're not satisfied with who we place you with, we have a 100% anytime rematch guarantee to make sure that you get somebody that you love working with. We also can support you in multiple different projects and handle it under all one umbrella to take some of that stress off of you. We're here to support you at Alibi. Just head over to www.allaby.com and we can help support you through a call or you can book a call directly on our site. You can click the lower right-hand corner of your screen and support chat. will talk to you and answer any of your questions. Or you can go ahead and pay through the site and get set up with someone today. We hope to support you in growing your business at alibi.com. Welcome back to Alibi Radio. Today, I'm really excited to share an episode with you that I think is really important, especially as we're about to enter into the election. And the election is in 14 days. um, And when you're listening to this, it'll probably be in 12 days. So I'm really excited for you to hear this episode with the founder of VoteMama.org. Her name is Luba Gretchen Shirley, and I got the pleasure of being on a panel with her for the Mother Honestly um, Caregiving summit a few weeks ago. And I had been following her journey as well as Vote Mama for a while. And I knew that I needed to have her on the podcast because she ran for Congress with a one-year-old and a three-year-old at the time. And she basically created her own playbook um, for women running with babies because there really was none. And she really has a passion for getting women, especially mothers, into office because it's so important that we're there um, and using our voice and really uh, helping to make huge change from uh, their theme is from school boards to Senate, and I am so excited for you guys to hear this episode and learn more about her and what she did and what she continues to do with Vote Mama. A little bit more about Vuba, she spent her career leading organizations to empower working families both at home and abroad. She's worked for the UN Foundation and was selected as a global champion of women's economic empowerment by the UN Women Together with UN Women, she launched the hashtag IAMParent campaign for parental leave. She's worked in partnerships with government, business, and nonprofit to tackle issues including economic development, access to healthcare, and paid family leave. She's worked with diplomats, healthcare workers, and government leaders across four continents and fought to make the use of international aid funds more accountable and less corrupt. In 2018, she ran a historical congressional campaign to represent New York's second district in the U.S. House of Representatives. She received the highest vote share of any Democrat to run against Peter King in 25 years. She raised over $2 million with no corporate PAC money and built a grassroots movement of volunteers that knocked on over 25, 250,000 doors. And this is the mama of a one and three-year-old, you guys. She became the first woman to receive federal approval to use campaign funds for childcare. That is huge. It was a decision which gained support from Hillary Clinton and 25 members of Congress and was unanimously approved by the FEC. Following her historic win, nine federal judges used her FEC ruling to spend campaign funds for child care, and candidates across the country followed her lead and petitioned their state and local governments for the same right. She holds an MBA with specializations in management and economics from NYU Stern School of Business and a BA in politics and Russian from NYU. She lives in Long Island with her husband, Christopher, and children, Mila, Nicholas, and she has a third one as well, a little baby um, that I love seeing whenever we have calls. Um, She is absolutely fabulous, and I can't wait for you to hear this episode. We dive into all kinds of different things and really talk about the importance of getting moms into office. So let's dive in. Hey, well, and I'm just going to make sure I say your name right, because I don't want to be the one that doesn't. It's Luba, right?
1: Luba, yeah.
0: Okay, cool. But I'm so excited (laughs) to have you here today um, and to interview you. I've been following your journey for a while and really want to bring it to light for our listeners Um, the majority of our listenership is moms um, or at least women that are probably one day wanting to be a mom. And so I think it's so valuable to hear what you've done while being a mom and just being very real about motherhood. Um, The last time I was on uh, an event with you just like a week ago, Um, You are there with your kid right there. And I love it because that's how I have run my business and been a part of my life running companies. And you've been running for office and building this platform um, for moms to be able to run for office. So we're going to dive into all of that today. um, But I would love to know what really drove you to run for office.
2: I um I had no intention of running for office honestly I I had a 1-year-old and a 3-year-old and I I was always involved in politics and then then the election happened and Donald Trump got elected and I kept reaching out to my local Democratic party and Sorry, my kids are downstairs literally still hunting for Krampus. There's so much screaming going on right now. I'm sorry if you can hear that.
0: You are fine. I love it. And this is how I ended a podcast episode the other day where my son literally ran into the room after, because they were, got home from school, ran in, he burped on the episode, <laughs> and he just started screaming at the video. So nothing's off limits. I think our listeners have heard everything on our All podcast. Right. So.
2: They're being very <laughs> um, but no, he... I kept reaching out to my local Democratic Party and saying, I want to get involved. What can I do? How do I help elect the Democrats? And nobody would get back to me. And, you know, I kept emailing and I kept calling. And then I remember getting an email saying, if you've tried to reach out to us and you haven't heard back, try again. We'll have somebody like the volunteer committee call you back, something like this. And I remember being so annoyed. And then I ended up starting an indivisible group. Mm -hmm. And building this grassroots movement of people all across my district and across Long Island who wanted to, who wanted to stand up and fight. And then, and then, you know, Peter King had been in office since I was 12 and had consistently voted to hurt, to hurt so many people. I mean, this is a man who voted to defund Planned Parenthood 17 times and wanted to jail doctors who performed abortions. And when he came out and supported the Muslim ban, I reached out to groups across the island and we, we put together a protest in front of his office. Mm-hmm. 400 people showed up. And I remember calling his office that Friday and I said, I want to come in and speak with my representative. Mm -hmm. And they told me to come in. They said, come in at three o'clock that afternoon. And by the time I got there, they locked their doors and sent the staff home. And I remember being shocked by that. And, Mm. We had 400 people march, and then I called Monday. That was a Friday afternoon. I called on Monday, and I said, I I still want that meeting. And they agreed to meet with me. He said he would meet with me, but he, he ended up telling the press he met with a leader of a resistance group, not a constituent, but a leader of a resistance group. Of course. And I sat with him for an hour, and I told him I was recording the conversation, and I recorded it. And I asked if he would hold a town hall, and he flat out said, no, a town hall will diminish democracy. And that was pretty much what kicked me into gear. Like that, yeah. was, just, that, that was ridiculous to me. Yeah. And I literally went back through, I transcribed the entire conversation and I wrote this massive article pulling out every lie that he told and correcting it.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: then I started organizing daily actions. Um, it was kind of how I got through, you know, every other day there was a new executive order. Donald Trump was mm-hmm. doing something dangerous for this country. And so I was organizing people to hold Peter King accountable. And, you know, he continued to... Have horrible votes. He voted to, de- to take. He voted to take health away from seventy four thousand people in our district alone. And I remember it was a May fourth vote. And mm-hmm. I, you know, we had people. I put together a town hall. And we had people from all across the district come and talk about how that vote in particular would hurt their families mm-hmm. and what it would do. And he, I mean, he tried to defund the hospitals, three hospitals in our district, millions of dollars. And it just, it it kept mounting during the year. And I really still wasn't planning on running, was trying to find the right person to run against him because the Democrats had never run a strong uh, campaign against him. And I I couldn't watch it anymore. And I decided probably by the end of the summer that I was going to run against him. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know what that meant, honestly. I I, I knew I could run for office and I knew I was going to do this, but- I don't think anyone really knows how difficult it is until you get into it Mm -hmm. and how to run with, I mean, there's no playbook for how to do it, but there's definitely no playbook for how to do it with small children. I was nursing and I, I just jumped in um, and we ran, we, we built a really kick ass campaign because it was, it was a campaign of passion and it was a campaign of making sure that people had, had their voices heard.
0: Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I love hearing when women run for office. Um, I've heard a few times from uh, Rashma Sujani uh, from Girls Who Code, who ran as well. Um, and I've heard her, her speak and have gotten the pleasure of getting to talk to her a few times and a bunch of other women that I know and some local um, people here in North Carolina that have run and won for local office. And none of it was easy. Um, not at all. And as speaking as a, as a founder, also up against a lot of uh, male and incumbents in, in many ways. Um, it's also really hard. And, and it we have to make these stands though. And we have to lead with our passion. That's our, that's our superpower. That's the, the women's superpower um, is to be able to have that super passion behind it. But Let's talk now. So you got, you stumbled into uh, being the one running because no one else is going to stand up really against him.
2: The Democrats actually put somebody up who had run the last time and, and lost by 24 points, uh, but they put somebody up to run against me in the primary. They wanted, you know, they, they did. So I had, I had, oh a my primary and I, I won the primary and I beat the establishment by 17 yeah. points.
0: And that's, I mean, one, we could go all day, I'm sure, to talk about the fact that there's too much establishment and we need to break a lot of it down because it's not working. Um, But you, you went at it and you said, no, I'm just, I'm going to do this. But here you are, a mom that is nursing and running a campaign, how... One, I cannot even imagine. I'm sure that was insane. I started a company while nursing and that just about did me in. Um, But you did something that no one had really done before um, and, and had a really big success with it. So how did you go about asking for campaign funds for child care. I think this is the biggest thing. Um, and, and I went ahead on this in a few areas today, but this was huge. And this is something that I mean, I to speak very frankly, I asked for to put child care as part of our fundraising and maybe my team won't be super excited about this, but I put it on our um, on what we needed. And we got a huge pushback from our investors. That's all I asked for. I'm not salaried. No one else on our team that's leadership is right now. And we got huge pushback that we were going to give $2,000 a month for childcare for our leadership team. So I, yeah. I know it's not the same, but
2: it's very similar. No, it's, we
1: it's very
2: similar. And that's incredible that you got pushback. I, I would not have been able to run my campaign without it. I I jumped into the campaign. I had a one year old, a three year old. My mom is a teacher. She's retired now, thankfully, and downstairs with all of them right now. But she was working, and she would come home at three thirty every day. And so I literally had the kids with me every day until three thirty. And you can't run a campaign like that. Campaigning is twenty four seven. It's all encompassing. It's a full contact sport. And I would literally, you know, I would drop. Mila was in in nursery school two hours a day, three days a week. I would literally drop her off at nursery school, put Nicholas in the stroller, and walk around the block, get him to fall asleep, and I'd be making calls to donors. Yeah. And I was juggling all of that insanity. I'd have a headset on as Mila was doing my hair and Nicholas was nursing. And it was just, it was, it was madness. And I got into the campaign at the end of October and I made it through March. Nicholas broke his leg in January, ended up in a body cast for the month of January. And that was, that was (laughs) insane. That's a whole other story, but it was probably, I think it was March or April where we hired the part-time babysitter. And when you run for Congress, you give out your salary. You're working full-time for no salary. And a lot of people don't realize that. You have to work full-time and you don't get a salary. Yeah. You, you technically can take a salary from your campaign, but hardly anyone does this because that's yet another stigma that you don't yeah. want to you know have. Um, but so you're working for free, you're working full time, you still need to pay for the cost of childcare and your mortgage and your school loans and your taxes mm-hmm. and food and all of those, you know, pesky bills. Yeah. This, this is why we have so many millionaires in office, because mm-hmm. you need to be independently wealthy to give up a salary for that long and still mm-hmm. keep your family afloat and run for office. Yeah. So I put this request in to the Federal Election Commission, and everybody except my campaign manager told me I was crazy. Everyone said it's political suicide. Every consultant I had, don't do it, you're gonna get mm-hmm. Criticized as a mom, you're going to get criticized as a candidate. I mean, I was already, I, I look a lot younger than I am, and I had two small children, and I had never run for office. I had a lot of strikes against me. Yeah. So to put this request in, people thought I was nuts. And to my surprise, they approved it. It was a bipartisan, unanimous decision. Every news outlet in the country covered it. Fox News Mm -hmm. said it was the one bipartisan thing they can agree with, which is still shocking to this day. (laughs) But it was necessary for me to continue my campaign. Mm -hmm. And we hired a part-time babysitter and we paid her. We put her on staff. She was paid the same way my campaign manager was paid. And mm-hmm. I was interviewed once around this time. And I said, my my babysitter is just as important as my campaign manager and, and making sure that I can run this campaign. And my yeah. campaign manager was upset about this, but she's like, <laughs> I hate to say this, but it's true. <laughs> she's like, you. She's like, I, I want to feel more important, but no, it's it's yeah. because you need somebody to help watch your children if you're supposed mm-hmm. to be out knocking on doors. I mean, my kids came out knocking on doors. They called it trick-or-treating for votes, but you can't do that. You can't, little kids can't knock on doors for that long they lose interest pretty quickly and they get tired yeah so yeah
1: it it was necessary
2: and we saw nine federal candidates take advantage of that ruling in 2018 this last cycle we're now up to 46 candidates and we're talking mom dads democrats republicans it's 74 percent of the funds federally have been used by women but it's been it's been across the board so it's it's it really is the first major structural barrier that we've broken down to make it easier for working people to run for office.
0: Yeah. Well,
2: it's, it's impossible.
0: I mean, like I, and I know I've told you that I wanted to run for office, but I've always looked at it as it's going to need to be down the road when I make enough money that I can step back and do that. And, I, I kind of think it's funny because now I'm running a, a startup, which also is just about the same. We don't get paid for anything. We need childcare. And I would definitely say that my kid's school is definitely as high up there as any of our leadership team and my assistant, um, because it's essential. We have to have somewhere for them to go. You cannot run it all by yourself. And because um, it's not just that day labor of going out, it's the evening labor. And the I mean, there's just everything goes into motherhood. Um, and you need that space to be able to actually run a campaign and get things done. Um, so what happened you got childcare, all of this, what did you beat Peter King? What happened next?
2: <laughs> we, we came closer than anyone has in his 26 years in office. Um, the last cycle he won by 24 points The during my, during my cycle, he only won by six points. Um, and he decided to step down. He, did, he reti- decided to retire after that. He did not want to go through that again. Mm-hmm. Um, it was we we outraised him. This is a man. He had a three million dollar war chest when we first started. We we raised more than two million dollars with not a dime of corporate PAC money. These are all small dollar donations from across the country. And mm-hmm. we outraised him. We outworked him. We knocked on more than two hundred and fifty thousand doors with all volunteers, and we came very close. I won Suffolk County. Was the first person to ever win Suffolk County. Um, he did win Nassau County and he did win by six points, but we, Mm -hmm. we knocked him out and he didn't want to do it again. And then when he decided to retire, I had to make the decision of whether or not I was going to run again. Mm -hmm. And I was pregnant with my third child and I had launched vote mama and it was growing. And I, I'd had two difficult pregnancies in the past and, uh, easy pregnancies, difficult deliveries, long recovery periods afterwards. Um, and I didn't want to take the risk of getting into a campaign like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and have another difficult delivery and not be able to jump back on the campaign trail. So it was the hardest decision that I had ever made, mm-hmm. you know, running for office with little kids is one thing running for office and giving birth in the middle of it is a little bit different. Yeah. But also I, I wanted to continue to build vote mama. I mm-hmm. like, we had just launched the action fund Well, actually we hadn't publicly launched the action fund and mm-hmm. foundation part of it yet. We had, we're just the pack publicly. Um, but vote mama has the ability to change, to change the way that politics works nationally. Mm-hmm. It. It has the ability to grow into something that is a lot more significant than one vote in Congress. And I wasn't ready to turn that over to somebody else. Yeah. So yeah. I wanted to continue to build this incredible organization and make a difference because yeah. that's how you start to change the policies. When you start to change who has a seat at the table, yeah. who is running for office, what it looks like to run for office. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're 27th in education globally. We're 27th in healthcare globally. We have the worst maternal mortality rate in the developed world, and Peter King was one of the representatives who voted to take maternity coverage away from thirteen million American women. We're the only country other than Papua New Guinea without paid family leave. So we need to change who has a seat at the table, and that's that's what we're working on with vote mama. so i wasn't I wasn't ready to to stop doing that yet.
0: Yes, and you likely would have had to stop and put a huge pause on that if you were going to run. And now those ripple effects of all of these women running for office is happening. And so let's talk a little bit about that, about how many now through Mama what is, I love looking at the website and seeing everybody that's running. So tell me a little bit about where you are with Vote Mama now. So so much has grown over the last not that long, but a short period of time that you've been able to grow it, and now all of these women are running for office. And what's the most exciting thing happening right now?
2: God, there are so many exciting things. I love I love this organization. So I launched the pack last January, um, right after my campaign ended, and we. We got over 300 applications right away from moms running across the country. I was shocked. I thought they were going to have to put some effort into recruitment, and we didn't. Um, and we, we support, on the PAC side, we're supporting Democratic moms running for Congress, running from school board to Senate, and my, my six-year-old is coming upstairs. What's up, baby? <laughs> he made me
1: trickle
2: Are you okay? Come. I mean, Come hang out, it. me. He threw fire helmet at me,
1: and then I threw back, and, and I missed, and then he laughed at me.
2: Oh, we okay. said you oh, missed. Okay. Sorry, we're having, we're having fire truck issues. <laughs> Baby, come hang out with me. Um, so we launched I launched Vote Mama last January. We've supported over 100 moms running from school board to Senate. Um, we right now have 44 moms who have elections coming up in just three weeks. Almost half are moms of color. 60% are going to flip their districts when they win. And they're some of the most badass women. And we a lot of them, we got involved very early in their campaigns. That is, I think one of the hardest things is when you, when you first start, people don't take you seriously until you raise a certain amount of money. We got involved with so many of our congressional races early, very early. And now the D trip and Emily's list and some of the larger organizations are now coming on board to support them. And we've been supporting them for the last year and a half. And I love that. I love that. We got in very early Mm -hmm. and we help, we help with everything. There's, we, we provide funding, we provide training, coaching, mentorship, and honestly, just just a safe place to come and have a conversation. You know, normally when you are running for office and you go and you interview with a PAC,
1: mm-hmm. you pretend
2: everything is perfect with your campaign and you've raised all this money. You have all these other endorsements. Everything's great. You guys should invest in me as well. Yeah. We give you that space where you can burst into tears on the phone. We had one of our candidates start crying the first time we talked to her because her 14 year old was mad that she couldn't, didn't have the time to drive her to soccer practice anymore. And we've had so many moms just start crying on the phone because it's the, it's the first time that they felt, hey, this is a safe place where I can actually talk about what's happening. Wow. You need to talk to moms who have been through it before. Running for office with young kids is, it's a much different experience. And if you could talk to other people who have been through it, it makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we're there to provide the technical and the political support. But we also have Zoom calls where we have, you know, some of our moms running across the country are on just talking to each other on a Friday night about what this is really like and and kind of having a place to just have that conversation. Yeah. Um, And then we launched the foundation and the action fund. So we've been working to get campaign funds for childcare to expand my FEC ruling to every state. Mm -hmm. This is, this has to be approved state by state. We're now uh, New Jersey just uh, assigned actually governor Murphy just uh, signed the bill. So New Jersey has become the seventh state to pass legislation and the 19th state to approve it nationally. Um, So we are working with legislators. We have five prime sponsors set to carry the legislation, um, in, in January, when when everybody's back in session, and the goal is to get all fifty states by twenty
0: twenty three. That's so awesome! I think that one thing, and I, I thought this was um, interesting. That I we did I did a poll in our group before, so all of our experts and some clients, just asking them. I was like, "Hey, okay, I'm interviewing." Today we're, we're talking about voting and running for office and would be, you know, ask a few things. So one of the things that I asked them, um, was do they participate in their local elections? And I knew it was low. I, I knew it was going to be low. I have my undergrad is in history, and I taught civics for high schoolers when I was really early in my career. And so I love it, but I always knew how few people actually participated in local politics, and it was abysmal. Um, and when I told them about Vote Mama and what you guys were doing, it's like they they changed their 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 idea of what was going on. I was like, okay, guys, so you're not doing this, but why, you know, kind of uh, trying to ask them about that. And then also, do you know, are you in any of these areas where these moms are running? Like we need to go support them. We need to back them. And it was like the light bulb went off with a bunch of them going, oh, I didn't even think about it. Like, I just kind of thought it was a lot of old people running for, you know, like that is the concept or these millionaires running for office. It's people that we're not relatable to, that we can't relate to. And going to that concept of the moms that are running need that support. I think that every constituent needs to know that they can trust and actually not get locked out of a building from their, um, (laughs) you know, their representative, but, A lot of people don't know who their representatives even are. They don't know who's even running. They're like, they get the text messages from people that are running the uh, campaigns for these large, you know, for everybody that's running for president, but they don't know who's even on the ballot. Um, And so why don't we talk a little bit about, I love that you guys are focused on school boards to Senate because it is so much in between and we need to be focusing on all of that Um, I know whenever I move into a new area, I immediately start looking at what's going on with the local politics. We in Durham, I love that our school board and our local city council is made up of a lot of women and a lot of women of color. And it was a phenomenal race that I got to vote in in the last election um, to be a part of. But a lot of people don't know that about their communities. So how can people get involved with their local politics? What is your best advice for people to actually tap into that?
2: Uh, it is, you bring up a lot of really good points. So in many cases, local politics is trickier than national politics. It's in many cases, it's going kind of be entrenched old boys network. You're right. We'll think it's a lot of old people, a lot of wealthy people, a lot of it's, um, you know, especially if you have strong parties, some can be controlled by party leaders. Some, a lot of the positions, a lot of the seats, locally are kind of chosen before people even vote by party leaders and backroom deals and uh, you know, jobs that are promised to to certain people. So you need to get involved. Hold on one second, Mila, can you stop that? You need to get involved locally. You need to join your local Democratic Party. You need to become a county committee member. You need to become active so that you know who the players are. You need to get involved. You need to be going to those meetings and voting actively and participating. Because in many cases, there'll be an open seat and one person will be running on every line. And that is, that is not, you know, I I actually just got my ballot the other day. And for many of the seats, there was one person on every single line. That's not an election and that's not a choice. So you should also step up and run. If you feel that you want to run and you need to run, but you need to get involved locally and build that grassroots space and get volunteers out. Um, In some places they have really active democratic parties that are wonderful, that will go out and knock on doors. And then when we started to knock on doors, there were so many people who literally were just like, "You are the first person to come to my door in ever and forever and years." In some places, nobody had ever knocked on their door before. You need to change that. You need to be out knocking on doors, not just during a major election cycle, not just when you're electing a president, but all the time, whenever there's an election locally. You know, you talk about school board races. School board is one of the most important elections, and it's nonpartisan. You don't run as a Democrat or a Republican. You're running because. We need people on school boards who are there to advocate for children. Mm-hmm. We have people who are, you know, advocating for the district, who are advocating for the teachers, who are advocating for, you know, the administration, but not for the kids in many cases. Almost 80% of our school board members are white. You know, very few have children in the district. In Gwinnett County, there was somebody on the school board who had literally been in that position for 47 years. 47 years. School's a little bit different now. little, yeah. And we need... You know, the Tea Party in 2008, they looked at school boards as a way to take over. They stacked the deck. They got a lot of people. Running for school board is a lot easier than running for Congress. So you get a lot of people to run for school board. Now you're an elected official. It's easier to run for a state seat than it's easier to run for a federal seat. So they took over school board seats and they started to build people's resumes that way. When you talk to a mom who runs for office, I have never spoken to a mom who ran because it was a good career move. Women run for office, especially when your children are young, because there was a particular issue that bothered them, and somebody wasn't doing enough about it, and they decided to run because they could do a better job. Every mom I've ever talked to who has young kids, that's why they got involved. So if you run for a school board seat, that is an incredibly important way to change what's happening in your local community and across the country. You're, you're approving the curriculum. In some cases, we're fighting, you know, there, there are districts that are fighting to have creationism taught in a school district. The curriculum matters. It matters who sits on your school board because you need to have somebody there fighting for your children to make sure that they get the education that they need. So you should run for school board. You should join county committee. You should go out and knock on doors. You should figure out who is running in your local district, who Mm -hmm. sits in those seats and get involved, get to know them. You know, I think one, one mis, you know, one perception that people have of elected officials is that they're untouchable. They're really smart and they're hard to talk to. Mm-hmm. Now, I remember, I will tell you this, this sounds ridiculous, but I remember being nervous the first time I talked to Peter King mm-hmm. and not being so nervous walking out of that room, of course. Yeah. <laughs> the first time I got to debate him, I had already won my primary. I challenged him to five debates. He hadn't debated anybody in eight years. And I remember going to the first debate thinking this man has been in Congress, not even just in office, but in Congress since I was 12. Yes. And I remember being really, really nervous going to that debate. And the first moment he opened his mouth and started to answer the question, every bit of nervousness flew, like just left my body. And I was like, give me the question. I am ready. <laughs> he, he didn't care. He didn't know what he was talking about. And he couldn't address the people in the room. He, he didn't understand what their concerns were. So you can run for office. You are just as smart, if not smarter than the person who's already there. And if you're passionate and you care, go run. And if you don't want to run, go volunteer for the person who is going to run. Yeah.
0: Oh, I totally can relate to that too. I feel like there's so many similarities between starting a company as a female and running for office, because same thing, my first few investor conversations, or even my first few pitches, I was like, Oh, uh, like my first pitch was to a room of men at Seattle startup week. And I was like, Oh my gosh, what am I doing? And then I was like, No, I'm doing this. Like I got a text message right before it from one of um, my like previous clients that i had worked on their website. And I was like, No, I'm doing this because this is what needs to happen. Like we need this to change. Um, and then just also seeing a room full of men. I'm like, no, I'm going to switch this. And I think we just, we do going back to the beginning of our conversation, that passion, we're able to drive from that. And we have to really tap into that. If you're running for office, if you're knocking on doors, whatever it is, um, we have to do it and that we have to be able to stand up and, and take that. I know that for us here locally in Durham, Um, there's a lot of things I want to change about the school district, And so there, that was a, um, a run that was happening that I want to make sure we had good people on that actually understood that we're younger than like 60 years old that actually had kids, um, because it is important. And I think I'm interested in, this wasn't on our questions list, but now that every, so many companies, especially like tech companies or bigger corporations are allowing their, teams to go more remote and people are moving back to their home bases or moving all over and scattering. Um, I'm interested to see how that affects local politics and how it affects everything. So I'm sure you are too. <laughs> but I like I when we moved back to North Carolina, one of my driving factors was, OK, I'm moving from Seattle, a relatively liberal location to North Carolina, which I live in a, a liberal pocket. Um, But I also have a vote in North Carolina. That's a state that can go either way a lot of times. Um, And I looked at that as a as a benefit for moving my family back. but what are some elections, since we don't know what that will look like with remote world in the future, but what are some key elections right now? We have people from all over the country that are listening. Um, where are some elections that are happening that are super key that we need to make sure we're getting the vote out? Obviously, all places, but specifically, maybe a few that Vote Mama is focused on.
2: Yeah, our Senate races are critical. We have we have to take back the Senate. Um, we're supporting Sarah Gideon in Maine and MJ Hager in Texas. MJ just uh, literally on Friday night just had her debate with Cornyn and and kicked ass and it was wonderful. MJ has a a strong chance of winning. Sarah has a very strong chance of winning. I think they both, I think they both will pull it off, but we need to get, we need to get people actually not, not knocking on doors because you can't knock on doors right now, but making phone calls for both of them. We're actually having phone banks for both Sarah and MJ on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. I will send you the, well, this won't, this will come out afterwards, but I will send you the info. I
0: can go ahead and post about it for everybody on our
2: list. So send okay, great. So I'll, it send you, I'll send you the phone bank links. We're doing two okay. phone links for both Sarah Gideon and MJ Hager on Wednesday. Um, we, we have to win the Senate. It's just critical. Um, and I think they both will. And then in terms of congressional races, Adair Burroughs is running in South Carolina. When she is elected, she will be the first woman to represent South Carolina in 30 years. And that is critical. And these are races that people did not pay attention to in the beginning and didn't think she had a chance. And now people are really paying attention. I think Adair has a chance. I think she can pull it off. I think she has a strong chance. And we invested in Adair a long time ago. We have been supporting her. She just raised over $800,000 in this last quarter. That's more than her opponent has raised in total. We can do it. We need to yeah. keep contributing, keep making phone calls. We're doing a phone bank for a day as well on Wednesday. I will send you. That. Yeah.
0: Send me. I'm so excited about these candidates, especially, I mean, not that I'm, I'm in North Carolina, but South Carolina is so close and knowing, knowing so much about South Carolina. Like I, I want, I want her to win so badly because it needs to change so much needs to change. Yeah. And
2: she's, she's wonderful. Candace Valenzuela is running in Texas is 24th. Can what baby? Yes. Yeah, so come here. <laughs> uh, Candace. Absolutely. In Texas, Julie Oliver in Texas, Chris Bubser in, in uh, California's eighth district. I mean, we have, we have such incredible women. And then Georgia, Georgia, we have an incredible slate. We have Nikki Merritt, Madeline Jones, uh, Stacey Evans, uh, Rebecca Mitchell. We have a Michelle out. She's an emergency room doctor. She's been, been fighting COVID and running for running for state Senate, Sarah Beeson. I mean, in Georgia we have, and then Karen Watkins is running for, um, for school board in Georgia as well for Gwinnett County school board, Georgia. We have, we're also doing a phone bank for all of our Georgia candidates and Nikima Williams, uh, who's running for Congress to fill John Lewis's seat. And she is incredible. They're all, they're all the most inspiring women and they're all running amazing races. They're all doing it with young children. And I, you know, I admire all of them and I love, I love, getting to work with them and help them in any way possible because that's that's what we need our government to look like. We need our government to look like the rest of us, you know, by the time we're 44 years old, 86% of American women are moms. And yet they make up moms right now, Make up with kids who are 18 years younger, make up less than 5% of Congress.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, that that needs to change. And that, you know, my, my daughter, for those of you who can't see, <laughs> <we're> not, <laughs> my daughter, my six-year-old is sitting on my lap right now. and. She, you know, some of, she was three when I ran and I I love some of my favorite moments. uh, It was New Year's Eve and Governor Cuomo signed the paid family leave bill and Mila was sitting with me and she turned to me and she said, mama, aren't you going to speak? And I said, no, baby, it's not my event. She walked right up to the podium and she made me pick her up at the podium and she gave a speech in her Peppa Pig dress. And it's one of my favorite photos for my campaign was Mila at the podium wearing that Peppa Pig dress, giving a speech. I love it. And there was another time, and she's laughing now. I've embarrassed her. <laughs> I, Mila, I
0: have an almost six-year-old daughter too, so I, I know this. Yes, I, she would have done the same thing probably with <laughs> Peppa the Pig on too.
2: <laughs> and there was another time where I picked her up at preschool, and we were driving home, and she was looking at all the political signs at the side of the road, and she said, Mama, does Peter King have girls? And I thought, oh, God, where, where is this conversation going? Said, no, does, does Peter King have girls that run his campaign? Because mm. she learned that women ran my campaign. Mm. All of my senior staff except one person, they were all women. Yeah. And so at that time when we went to I went
1: <laughs> um, um, I kept saying the Girl Scout promise. Yeah.
2: Oh yes. And then she would say the Girl Scout promise over <laughs> and over and over again. <laughs> um but but I love that my children got to see so many strong women running and they, you know, They get to go to all these events and, you know, pre-COVID met so many Mm -hmm. of our candidates and it's just, it's the norm now for them and for all of these kids of all of these incredible candidates, they're going to grow up thinking my mom can run for office and win and I'm going to do the same. And that's... So many people, I can't tell you how many moms have come to me also and said, you know, you did it with small children. So I thought I could do the yeah. same. Yes. And that's once you start to see people who look like you running for office, mm-hmm. you start to then think you can do it yeah. yourself. That's, that's well,
0: that, that perspective I always uh, talk about in, in my pitch that. My dad is a preacher, my mom is a teacher. So I never had that worldview. I never saw that technology or starting a company or entrepreneurship was a route that I could take um, until I saw other women doing it. And then I knew that I could do that. And um, I always give a shout out to Amy Nelson from The Riveter because I saw her doing it with young kids, whether it was messy or not all that, you know, it, it was cracked up to me. I was like, but she did it. She can do it. I can do it too. And seeing you running for office, I know inspired all of these women to help, you know, go, Hey, okay, she did it. I can do it too. Um, and we have to have those strong women. I, my husband always tells me that, um, he was reading this book with my daughter about physicists, why he was right. Weirdest things happen in our household sometimes, but he was reading this book about physicists with my daughter and there was no female physicist in the book. And my daughter was like, but i want to be a physicist why or why aren't there any physicists that are women and my husband was like, well, there there are actually, but they're, you know, they're not in this book. That's not right. And we need to change that. And so now she's like on a mission to be a scientist because she wants to make a book that has women scientists in it. And I think that that's the key. Like once we start seeing all of these women, um, like Kirsten Gillibrand, like I know seeing her, like I want, you would have wanted her to be, um, continue to be in office because she has kids. And just knowing like when you're able to, Understand where somebody came from and what they've been through. Motherhood connects us on such a deep level, and we're able to see that if you can do it, I can do it and understand that. So I love what you're all the women that are out there voting um, and running and all of that. I think that I would love to know from you um, what is the best. One piece of advice that you would give a mother who is considering getting into politics, considering running in some capacity, what would be that one piece of advice?
2: Hmm. One piece of advice. Uh, there's there's so much advice. Um, one piece. I mean, I would say just keep the reason that you decided to run forefront in your mind when you're running. You know, I I decided to run because I was concerned about the world my kids were going to grow up in. And so whenever somebody would question how can you do this with young children I would say how, how can I not do this they were the reason that I wanted to run because you know when we we had just elected a president who proudly boasted of sexually assaulting women mm-hmm. who is blatantly racist who is you know trying to who now we knew we didn't know at that point but taking babies breastfeeding babies away from their mothers and putting them in cages i mean the the things that this man has done in the last four years, I I remember looking down at my my babies. They were babies at that point, and I remember looking down at them and thinking, "How can I? How can I not fight back?" Mm-hmm. So, whatever the reason that you got into the race that you're running, remember that reason. And every time someone criticizes you, because it will happen, and every time you're exhausted and you want to cry because that will happen as well, and every time you feel burnout and and you just don't know how you're going to keep going, just remember that reason mm-hmm. and you keep going. I mean, I've, I had some particularly difficult days during my campaign and, and you just push through it. You know, I remember the day that my son broke his leg, he was, he was, on the operating table, and when they put him under, I went out and I was talking to my husband. And I, I wasn't talking to my husband; I was crying. And they came out to talk to me and my husband, and I was sobbing and I couldn't, I couldn't pull it together. And they were trying to talk to me about, you know, what our insurance was going to cover. My my one year old was on the operating table, and they were talking to me about what my insurance was going to cover. And I said, you know, this is, this is why we need Medicare for all. And in my head at that moment, I was thinking I'm going to have to drop out. I don't know how to manage this at this point. And the woman said, well, if you had Medicare, it would be one call and this would be all all taken care of. And it was in that moment where I realized I'm not quitting. I'm going to continue. And I, I continued and Medicare for all was something I talked about a lot during the campaign, because there are too many people who are in that moment where your kid is hurt and you're worried about how you're going to pay the bill. Nobody, nobody should have to deal with that. And so that was a very good reminder for me that even though this was going to be difficult and it was going to be tough as hell, I was going to continue because that was the reason I was running, to make sure that my kids grew up in a better country, in a safer country, and that they had opportunities and that everybody else had those same opportunities.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. I. So much is on the line for our democracy and for our... Um, are the future of our kids, and I think that that is. I mean, that's why we're doing multiple episodes on the specific topic of voting. Because no matter which way you're voting or who you're voting for, probably if you're listening to this, you obviously know my stance. But at the same time, what do you want that future to be for your kids? I have a hard time saying that it, as a mom, that it would not be something that looks the way that I want it to. But you have to take that upon yourself to vote for the future. Um, My grandmother who passed away recently, she was really uh, always a big uh, proponent of politics. You would always see her working the polls and all of that. She um, was a a law assistant for a a local lawyer and then um, went and worked in the General Assembly in North Carolina. Um, supporting one of the local senators. And she believed in our democracy and our country and our political process so much. But she also was about one of the only Democrats in a very, very conservative little town in North Carolina. And she always stood up for what she believed she would put the Democratic signs in front of her house and she would go out and knock on doors. And I always gained so much from that because no matter It was like a non-negotiable for her. Like you were a part of your democratic process all the time. Like that was what you did as a good citizen of the country. And so I always knew that that would be something that would drive me to want to still be a part of it. And I think it's so easy to get disconnected from it now as a part of the political process, because it is frustrating. There's so many things happening and social media takes over, but um, I think there's so much power in knowing that all these moms are running for office and trying to make a change. Like we have to make sure that we're focusing on that and seeing the good coming out of this. Um, So I think no matter what happens with the election, obviously, hopefully we'll have a new president in office. Um, But I think it's even more important for us to focus on making sure that we flip the Senate and get the right people into office all over the country um, that can take over. So I am really thankful that you are doing what you're doing. Um, one last question that I have for you, and then um, we're going to link everything about Vote Mama and how you can get involved, not just for this election, but every election going forward. Because if one thing you take away from this episode today is to know that you have got to step up to the plate and start participating in your local politics. Um, because it's not just what's on what's on the ballot for this national election, but even more so for the local politics, in my opinion, um, in so many ways. But who has inspired you the most on your journey? Not just with running for office, but just who has been that most inspirational person for you?
2: Um, well, first of all, I'm so sorry about your grandmother. That's <laughs> It was a, she lived
0: 92 beautiful years and passed away on her birthday this year at 92. And she was the most badass grandmother ever and um, worked until she was 85. So she's my inspiration for all. So I try to just, she also really loved like hearing herself on things. So I always mention her everywhere (laughs) because I just know that she would be listening in some capacity um, and I'm writing a book about her right now, so all the things to to go for her. But
2: yes, <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, who inspired me the most? I mean, I, I don't think I can pick one person in terms of politically. You know, Kirsten is was so supportive of me during my campaign. Was so she's so supportive of every of every woman when they run. And you know, I remember finding quotes from Kirsten or from Grace Meng or from you know. any any mom, but in particular, both Grace and Kirsten, I remember finding quotes from them when I was considering running and thinking, you know, if they can do it with young kids, then so can I, and they were both incredibly supportive. And I, I consider them both friends right now. And they're both just so incredible and amazing. And, and they did it with young kids. And Elizabeth Warren has always inspired me. Um, she's just, she's fought Fought the good fight for working people in this country forever, and I have been following her for for, you know over a decade, and I love her work. Hillary Clinton has always inspired me, but honestly, in terms of non politically, in terms of just my life, my kids, my kids are my biggest inspiration. I, you know, spent thirty three years of my life pre kids, and then when you become a mom, everything changes, and everything you do is then about these little lives that you've created. And so they are my biggest inspiration. They're the reason that I continue to do what I do, and that I fight the way that I do because I want to. I want to. Nicholas, Nicholas is my 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 older son, and he came in one day when I was working. and he, I'm older. It's my older son. You're the oldest child. Um, but Nicholas. Oh, when the oldest, don't yes, worry. You're still the oldest. <laughs> Nicholas came in and he sat on the couch in my office and he, he leaned back. He goes, mama, what are you doing? He goes, are you working? I said, yes, I'm working. He goes, ah, are you, you're trying to make the world a better place for me and Mila? And I said, yes, baby, I am. And then he leans back, but I'm thinking, oh my God, this is like such a, such a poignant moment. And he's so ah. and he leans back and he puts his hands behind his head and he goes, now you're going to take a photo of me, right? <laughs> started to laugh so hard. This is what my. Four-year-old things, but but I love that the thought in his head before, do I want to take a photo? Oh. Was that work for me means making the world a better place for yeah. them. So yeah. they are one hundred percent my inspiration for everything. Yeah,
0: I totally, I totally agree. My same thing. My daughter, I love when someone will ask her, like, "Oh, what does your mommy do?" And she'll be like, "My mommy is a CEO."
2: <laughs> it's like really. <laughs> I yeah. literally said the other day, my husband asked me something. I forgot what it was even. But Mila said, well, well mom is her own boss. And I was like, damn straight. Yes, <laughs> I yes. Like, I love it. And they need to see that. And they need to see that, like – Mommies
0: can work really hard and also be really great mommies and and do all of the things um but we need that support and that's what we're all here fighting for is that we need to get that childcare so we can run which you helped to fight for and we need to have more women on the ballot specifically moms because I know when I saw that Kirsten got elected and when other people like I mean one of the reasons I was behind Elizabeth Warren too I'm like you get motherhood like you get it and we need people that get it because there's no way any of these things will change until they get there and they get elected and are taking into consideration what is affecting a mom. I mean, I think it was September. Eight hundred and sixty-five thousand women left the workforce, and yep. it's going to continue. Um, and if they're leaving the workforce, they're not going to be able to run for office because we don't, you know, they don't have the childcare. You, know,
2: um, you look at, at just this pandemic. The first, the first care package. You know, it gave over $60 dollars $60 to invalid money to the airline industry, and it gave literally under four billion to the child care industry, who was asking for fifty billion just to survive. And child care has always been an economic issue. But every time I would talk about it during my campaign, someone would say, "Stick to the stick to the bread and butter issues and ignore the women's issues," and it would infuriate me because even before this pandemic, we were losing fifty seven billion dollars a year because of the lack of child care. But Right now, you watch the last few months, it has been the moms in office who've been the ones fighting to make sure that the childcare industry is getting the ballot money that they need just to survive. Because yes. how are we going to rebuild the economy? How are people going to continue to go back to work when child childcare are now closing because of this pandemic? Yes. So it's only exacerbated this problem that we've always had, but it really affects moms, You know, not just in politics, but across the country. Anybody who wants to go back to work, you can't if you don't have childcare.
0: You can't. It's it literally is the thing that our country almost does the worst. I mean, we just do not have a good plan for this. And it's, it's insane to me. Like I, when I became a mother, I think that was the biggest thing for me was just what is wrong? Like, why did, why is this the way it is? Like, it should not be a punishment to have children. Like it should not be a punishment to you and your career and your life, anything. Cause it's such a joyful thing.
2: And it is. And by the time you realize how how horrible our childcare and paid family leave policies are, you're so busy trying to just survive mm-hmm. yeah. motherhood and your career that you don't have time to go out and fight for systemic change. And that is literally no. why we launched the Vote Mama Foundation yeah. an Action Fund is to build that systemic change. The goal is to get universal childcare nationally. Yeah. Because- our childcare industry doesn't work. And yeah. if we had similar labor force participation rates to countries like Canada and Germany, we'd have five and a half million more women in our workforce, $500 billion more in our economy each year. That's because other countries have quality, affordable childcare. They have paid family leave here. You know, one in one, in four women go back to work 10 days after giving birth. That's not, that's not just, I mean, that, Oh, are you still there? Cause I think my daughter just disconnected. Oh, there you are. Oh yes, I'm here. <laughs> it's, um, <laughs> It's a healthcare crisis. It's, it's a, it's a human rights crisis, honestly. And, and that's why, you know, it's one of the biggest things that holds us back is that we, you know, we're, we're leaving $500 billion a year on the table in economic activity, because we can't pass common sense uh, laws that will actually help families and keep women in the workforce and make sure that our children have a safe environment. You know, in, in so many countries, you get a year of paid family leave. And then when you go back you have quality, affordable childcare yeah. in this country, we, we don't have that.
0: No. And what's about, and this can be our, our next topic that we hit on.
2: Yeah. We should do a whole that? one about that. <laughs> I know
0: that. And then I recently to, to think about else, my parents are getting ready to retire and just. The, that whole concept of looking after them. And I'm like, and we're just about to hit that. And we haven't even figured out childcare.
2: Yes. You're just getting to the sandwich generation. That, yeah.
0: That's a whole We We could do so many. Of so Maybe we'll just have a political conversation every month. Yeah, that's so good. <laughs> we need to, but anyways, it was so great having you on and I'm so excited that we've been able to connect and Send me the links for everything with the phone banks, and then we will make sure that people get involved not only with that, uh, but also uh, just being able to participate in anything that they can with Vote Mama. I think the biggest thing I hope people take away from today is that whether you want to be a part of joining a political endeavor, or if you want to just get more involved in your local community, this is the time more than ever to do it. And there's so many ways that you can. So thank you so much for your time today.
2: Thank you you so much. This is great. Yes.
0: Okay. Well, we will chat soon. Thanks again. Have a great day. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Allobi Radio. Please head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe to our podcast so you do not miss any episodes. Leave us a review and we'll read it live on the next episode. You can also listen to us on Spotify and Google Play. Just make sure to follow us so you can get the updates. For more information on what we provide at Allobee and how we can support you as a business owner and in your life, head over to alibi.com, A-L-L-O-B-E-E.com. Thank you and have a great week.